Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Is Jimmy leaving? Can Tibbs let him go? These are the days of our wolves. <laughs> this needs to be on a voicemail. We need, we need Manny doing dramatic soap opera voice on our voicemail. Oh, that'd be great. Is Judd drinking? Yep. Or is Judd taking an extended nap after writing a hot take column for 1500ESPN.com? What is Judd drinking? <laughs> Spotted cow? Where is he drinking it at? Bunnies? That'd be pretty... I like it. Is Judd wearing a hooded sweatshirt or a different hooded sweatshirt? M- Manny could narrate my entire life just... Follow me around. Don's like, why is Manny at our house again? Because he narrates my life. Uh, actually, since we're rocking the dream harp here, well, hello, boys, by the way. You guys had a packed 3 o'clock hour. Yes, we did. Doogie and uh, Golik Jr., we're going to do our pecking order in about 10 or 15 minutes. Dan Hayes from the last Twins homestand of the year, well, football hour. But, gentlemen, I've been thinking about these trade rumors and the Miami Heat stuff is really percolating now that Apparently the Heat are now at the top of the Jimmy Butler and Bernie Lee wish list. Um, I'm all about Kelly Olynyk right now. I'm not going to lie. I've spent like the last hour just going through different players on different rosters. And I think it'd be kind of fun, first of all, to have the guy that broke Kevin Love's arm in a playoff game on your team. Or dislocated his elbow. Pulled the arm right out of the socket, basically. Whatever it was, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Hockey-like. Grinder. (laughs) He is. He kind of looks like a hockey player. Yeah, he he's Canadian. Seven tall. Yeah, he is Canadian. I like yeah. it. Okay, he was a he was, and he's still. I, I think a Kelly Olynyk. He's been in the league for like five or six years. And at first, I thought hey, he's got to be in his thirties, right? No, he's only twenty six. And imagine his. So and also, he comes from this Boston Celtics pipeline. It's a little bit like if you're swinging a trade in baseball and you get a guy from uh, the Rays for pitching or whatever. Like there's certain pipelines that you want to pluck from, and I would say Boston Celtics are one of them. But imagine having two seven-footers who jack three-pointers at a high clip on your team and how impossible that would be to defend. And he's under contract through, I believe, 2021 at like $11 million a year, which in today's NBA, that's just a, that's just a smidge more than Cole Aldrich was making <laughs> to uh, sit on the bench. And it's less than what Gorgie Jang is making right now. Correct. And he's way better than Gorgie Jang. Is there a way where you could get Kelly Olynyk and Josh Richardson in a Jimmy Butler trade? Or is that a pipe dream? Um, boy, I I don't know if Miami would be willing to do it. I don't know. I mean, you got to get one of them. I would think you have to get one of them. Yes, I think you say no to any deal that doesn't involve either of them. How much 
Do we think the Wolves are going to try and tie Gorgie to to Jimmy in any potential deal? Because we keep hearing that, and to me, to me, if you're going to tie those two together, that that means if I'm the team making the trade, I'm giving you less. I'm yeah, not yeah. more excited to take on both players. I I want one player, and if I'm doing you a favor by then taking the Gorgie contract, I'm not going to give you the return that I would if it was just Jimmy. Unless you can get, because I've because I saw Roach tweet this out too about involving a third team like Sacramento, who would be willing to absorb a Gorgie Jane contract with you know some sort of another asset attached to it, like a young player or, you know, a draft pick or something like that. You might be able to do that, but then that would involve getting them involved and then Miami would have to buy into the deal too. And so that's... It sounds like Miami's, one of their top priorities is in order to make Jimmy happy long-term, they're trying to clear cap space out, Mm long-term cap space out so that they can have Jimmy and then maybe even have room for another contract. And I would guess that's part of the reason why Goran Dragic's name is being thrown out here. I mean, Goran Dragic is a really good player, but he's 32 years old. He'll be 33 next spring. Yeah, so if you're yeah. the Timberwolves, like if I'm if I'm making this trade and I'm looking out for the long-term future of the Timberwolves, and the main goal is for Carl Anthony Towns to have pieces around him for the next four, five, six years, right? Well, Goran Dragic would have been great five years ago. That would have been awesome to have Goran Dragic and Towns, but... But Goran Dragic is just a $20 million, essentially, cap hold for, for from the Wolves' perspective. Correct. Like, you're not going to trade for him and do it. Okay, maybe you trade from for him and you get rid of Teague or something and you're just you're just shuffling deck chairs. But these other pieces, the, the Olenek 26-year-old piece, Josh Richardson is like 23. Those are the pieces that the Wolves should be trying to go after in this Heat deal. Yes, and I think especially with those two guys... I mean, they need the Wolves need shooting. I mean, we've been saying this for how many seasons now that they need about, shooting? About thirty, actually. Yes, about thirty years. Tony Campbell um, was good. You guys, shut up. And so was James Hollywood Robinson. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. Outside so, of those two guys, Fred Hoiberg. Yeah, <laughs> Todd Murphy was a good white guy. That's all I know. <laughs> wow. But yeah, I mean, I, I I just think that I mean, for me, Josh Richardson's the guy because he's. I mean, you need you need wing players who can shoot and defend and. I mean, I don't know how well he would defend in Tibbs' defense because I think Tibbs' defense is outdated, but he is a quality defender at least, and I think if you can try and get him, and he's on a very, very, very team-friendly contract. Like, he's going to make, I think I think it's like $10.5 or $11 million a year for the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. For a guy who's twenty in his mid-20s and can shoot and play defense for you, that's exactly what they need. Exactly what they need. I went down the Gorgie path because here's my, from the reports that we've seen the last couple days, my feeling is this. I think Layden's been told, okay, return some phone calls now. I love that. But ask, (laughs) but ask for, ask for the world, basically. Ask for the sun and the moon and all that and attach Gorgie. Like, I think they're making this right now damn near impossible. Phil, I think you're talking about trade scenarios that, Makes sense. I have I have no confidence though that they are that they have their heads wrapped around the fact that they should if they can get what they even consider to be a moderately good deal, it's probably best to take yeah. it. I mean, at this point, 
don't get greedy by trying to tie in some of the other bad contracts. Would it be awesome if you could ship the Wiggins contract or the Gorgie contract? Yes. That Gorgie contract is going to be so hard to move, man. Do you remember it's when we all so thought hard to move. that was a great contract because the cap had gone sky high? Yeah. We're all like, why not? Well, but And th- so many other guys had gotten paid that mm-hmm. summer, too. And you're like, oh, well, that's fine. Yeah. You know, Gorgie's better than Timothy Mozgov, and he's getting the same money. And even like the, the Mozgov contract... <laughs> was a first guess what are they doing contract right are they just trying to light money on fire but if you if you're debating if you're if you're making this trade and you think okay there's two options we could either use jimmy as leverage to get rid of a bad contract to clear a ton of cap space for i don't know next summer or two summers from now or you can use jimmy as leverage to get a good young two-way player or at least a three and d guy like richardson and Mm -hmm. or kelly olenic and maybe you wouldn't have as much cap space. I don't know if I'd lean in, in the direction of cap space. Let, let's say you clear out cap space and you get you, maybe you get some draft assets, which I would always take in this situation. You clear cap space for next summer or two summers from now. You're not guaranteed to be filling that cap space up with really good A caliber players, right? Well, so how you, much how many how much cap space are you really gaining anyway? I mean, okay, you figure Taj. Yeah, he and comes then, off the books. Yeah, Taj comes off the books. But Wiggins and Cat at at a combined fifty or sixty million dollars yeah, are that's, on the that's, books. That's like that's half of your payroll right there. That's half of your cap right there tied into those two guys. So mm-hmm. even if you get, you know, let's say you clear thirty million dollars in cap space, you're still not going to have because you're so you're over the cap right now anyway. So not like clearing cap space is going to free up this money where yeah. you can just go on the spending spree next summer. Also, real quick, if you went if you went with the three superstar, the, the three near max contract guys, and then scrubs for the rest of the roster, which is what we've seen the Heat did that with LeBron, Wade, and Bosh for a while, and mm-hmm. like that that does happen. And the Warriors are kind of doing that with three or four max ish contracts. Andrew Wiggins isn't good enough for you to fill out the rest of your roster with scrub players. Right, it's not like you'd have. Durant and Curry and Clay and then whatever for the rest of your roster. Mm-hmm. Wiggins is making that kind of money, but he's not a good enough player to where you can just put anyone around them if you had the three supplement. max-ish contracts. So. I think the thinking here, though, is this. Tibbs has one thing. He's got Jimmy, and he can hold him hostage for now. And I think their thinking is we ultimately need to feel like we won. So it's not rational. This whole thing, we're, we're having rational discussions about what makes sense. And I have no confidence, and I've felt this way for a week now, I have no confidence that there's rational thought here. I think this is a need to look at this trade if it's made and say, I want it. So I don't think it's about the future. I don't think it's, it's about the present. I think it's about the feeling that Tibbs needs to feel like he scored a victory because because he has been, in his mind, stabbed in the back by his favorite player well, in the history and, of the world. And I and I want the Wolves to score a victory too, but like I know what my vision of a victory in this trade is, and I think I know what Tibbs' vision is. Like, Tibbs' vision is probably more along. If you ask Tibbs, okay, what would, what would you want in return from the Miami Heat? I think he would put Goran Dragic a lot higher on that list. Or Hassan Whiteside, because Whiteside plays defense and he's 28 years old, than developmental players or assets that would be relevant in three years from now, right? Because he wants to win now. And yes. that's why the Wolves are in the position that they're in right now. But I think, he rolled the dice on winning now and they went, they were the eighth seed. But the day the trade is made, if it's made, I think he wants to be told that was a great job. You, you might have won that trade because that's all he's got left. Yeah. Well, good luck, I guess. Yeah. Well. 
Um, we can get back into this later on because we got to get to our pigskin pecking order when we come back. Where do we have the Vikings in our top ten? Dan Hayes on the the the, the Twins season winding down here. And uh, what kind of things we can expect here for this week. And then the football hour in the 5 o'clock that includes Rich Gannon and Matthew Collar from Los Angeles. Mackie and Judd. The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment. So long, losers! On 1500 ESPN. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd are back. Okay, then. On 1500 ESPN. Quick look at your traffic brought to you by Vasper Stain. US 10, we got a crash there. Mentioned that earlier between Pryor and 694 in Arden Hills, uh, adding about three minutes to your commute if you're headed that way. Also, 94 westbound, we have a crash between Creighton and Vandalia and Marshall near St. Paul. Look out for a crash there if you had a westbound on 94, adding a few minutes to your commute. Also, uh, 94 eastbound, we have a crash uh, in St. Paul between John Ireland and Ramsey County Road 33, adding about four minutes to your commute there. So be on the lookout for that. Cooler weather is deck staining weather. So hurry to Lowe's and save on new Vasper One Coat Exterior Stain. Just buy one and get the second one off at half price, September 26th through October 3rd, only at Lowe's. Rise and shine, football fans. Dig out the meat and potatoes. Because it's time for Maggie and Judd's pigskin pecking order. How badly did we punish the Vikings? We all had the Vikings in our top four last week. I think I had them at two. And now they just I had got them at four last week. By the Buffalo Bills. I had them at three last week. Right. So. Well, the problem is that the rest of the league didn't allow for punishment that was probably due them. Well, let's because start with the rest you. of this league is <clears throat> struggling at times. <laughs> let's start with Judd and go around and see where where we fall here. All right, I threw three teams out. Goodbye, Atlanta Falcons. Goodbye, Case Keenum in your tiny hands, Denver Broncos. <laughs> Goodbye, Green Bay Packers. Until your quarterback is healthy, I don't think you're going to be much of a factor. Two. Sort of show the punishment that I think is due the teams in this league because of the mediocre to bad play that we have seen. My number 10 in the rankings this week is the roughing the passer rule. It's got more power than most teams. I like it. It's all we're focused on. Yep. Roughing the passer is 10. Is roughing the passer going to get a first round bye in the playoffs? It's very, very well good at this point, <laughs> the way it's going. Number nine coming into the rankings uh, for the first time, the Carolina Panthers, who beat the Bengals 31-21. They are now 2-1. and one. Norv Turner, he might have found God as far as play calling goes with uh, Cam Newton there, so I put them at number nine. Number eight falling two places. ESPN actually put this team at fourth, but I'm sorry, I can't do it. When Blake Bortles is your quarterback, it's impossible. Your defense might be great, but I dropped the Jacksonville Jaguars, who lost 9-6 to six to the Titans. Yeah. I dropped them to 8. That, can you imagine being subject to that for three hours? No. If, like, if that was the only <laughs> game that you're all excited to watch football on a Sunday and you get a 9-6 to six Jaguars-Titans fiasco? But you know what? That's exactly what the Jaguars deserve for keeping Blake Bortles yeah. as the quarterback. Number 7, climbing two spots after a uh, thrilling 43-37 overtime victory over the Falcons. The New Orleans Saints, whose defense looks to be atrocious, but uh, Drew Brees is still magnificent. Number six, 
in my rankings for the first time this season and climbing for for now at least. The three and zero Miami Dolphins, twenty eight twenty over the Raiders. Uh, they are actually look to be pretty good right now. I have no clue if they're going to maintain that, and my guess is no. But what the hell? Number five, only dropping one place, one one and one. Your Minnesota Vikings. I only dropped them one spot. If they lose tomorrow night, I, I will reconsider. But after what we saw this past week in the National Football League, I did not dock them that much. Uh, staying at number four, although one and two, because I never believe that this team is truly dead. It would take into November. It, they would have to be struggling for me to drop them significantly. The Patriots, after they lost to the Lions on Sunday night. My top three, not surprising. Uh, coming up two places after beating the Colts, the Philadelphia Eagles are number three. And then two for me is Kansas City at 3-0, and ma- maintaining the second spot after they beat the 49ers. And number one, the team the Vikings will play tomorrow night after beating the Chargers 35-23, the Los Angeles Rams. So I went Rams, Chiefs, Eagles, Patriots, and Vikings as my top five. Wow. Dolphins, Saints, Jaguars, Panthers, and then what the hell, roughing the passer, getting in there at number 10. <laughs> All, right. All right, that's aggressive on the Dolphins. I, I don't know if the Dolphins have earned enough enough trust over the years oh, they to haven't. stay, but they the haven't. NFL has a lot of fall. shaky teams. Yeah. All right, Manny, go ahead. Uh, yeah, on those Miami Dolphins, I have them uh, in my pecking order for the first time at number 10. I, I'm i still a little suspect of them, but I think if, if you're 3-0, and you got to at least be in the top 10. Uh, Pittsburgh kind of redeemed themselves. I had them out of my top 10 last week. Um, I put them back in. They are sitting at number 9 after holding on to beat the Bucks on Monday night. Uh, I've got our Vikings sitting at 8. They were dropped uh, five spots. I had them at three going into that Buffalo game. They've dropped down five spots after that game. They're sitting at number eight. Number seven, I've got the Washington Redskins in. Uh, they were not ranked before, so I have them sitting at number seven. They got a big one over the Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. I have uh, the New England Patriots uh, staying at number six. I had them at six last week. They're one and two. The sky is seemingly falling, but it's Tom Brady. It's Bill Belichick. They've got Josh Gordon. Uh, they're going to be fine. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars, after that stinker against the Titans, I dropped them down three spots. They're sitting at number five. I got the Philadelphia Eagles, who I had at eight after losing to Tampa Bay uh, in week two. I have them jumping up four spots to number four after beating the Colts. I have the New Orleans Saints, who I had at nine last week. Uh, they have jumped all the way up to number three after a uh, pretty impressive win on the road in Atlanta. I'm still a little suspect about that defense, but I think they'll right the ship and be, and be fine. I've got uh, the uh, fighting Pat Mahomes. They are uh, sitting at number two now, yeah. the Kansas City Chiefs, up from four on my list. They, they look terrific, and uh, I've got Sean McVay's Rams at number one for the uh, second week in a row. All right, so you've got you've got Rams, Chiefs, and then fire through your top five again. Rams, Chiefs. Rams, Chiefs, Saints, Eagles, Jaguars, and then six through ten is Patriots, Redskins, Vikings, Steelers, Dolphins. All right, so uh, I took Aaron Rodgers out of my top ten for the first time this year. Yeah, me too. <laughs> He's playing on one leg, and yeah. it's kind of a disaster. So so un- until, but you know what? If he throws for 300 anytime soon on one leg or two and they win a game, he's back in. I think he's back in. Number 10, the Carolina Panthers going from unranked to 10th on my list. Cam Newton, who is struggling every year to get to 60% completions, which is not that high of a bar in a league where a lot of guys are flirting with 70. 
He's at 67% completions to start mm. the year. So I don't know if, if it's just an anomaly or it's if Norv Magic. Turner is... Norv Magic. Yeah. Yep. And uh, Christian McCaffrey has become everyone's favorite PPR fantasy threat. So. He's so fun to watch run. Yeah, he's Gosh. he's good at football. He's good at yeah. football. Uh, number nine, the Washington Redskins going from unranked to the top ten here. Decisive win over Green Bay and steady Alex Smith. He's just classic one interception through three games. Steady Alex Smith. Number eight, I punished them six spots for that loss against Buffalo. I've got the Vikings down to eight. They got to go prove it now against the Rams and the Eagles. So, good luck to you. Uh, number seven, the Patriots down from five last week. Mm. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I, they're they're traditionally a slow starting team in September, but they've got injuries. They just look. They got guys coming back though too. I just don't. I'm not going to be convinced that they are actually starting to get cooked unless we get into November and they don't play yeah, well. Yeah, this is the lowest I've ever had them in the four years we've done this. Seventh right now, and I'll move them back up if they win a game or two. We'll see. But I'm a little nervous that this might be the beginning of the end here for the Patriots. Number six, Jaguars down. Or what are they? They're holding steady basically from last uh, last week. Ravens going from unranked to fifth on my Ooh, list. Wow! So they've always been solid defensively, but now they're averaging thirty points a game offensively in the first three games. And Joe Flacco is playing out of his mind for the most part. They should have drafted a quarterback. Jackson looking over his. They should have drafted a quarterback three years ago for Joe. Well, <laughs> Joe's Joe's going to make an. He's, Joe's going to wind up getting another fat contract from somebody else. I'm sure with just the timing of his performances. So he's. He's fifth with the Ravens. Number four, Saints up from six last week. They're back on track. Number three, the Philadelphia Eagles up from four with Carson Wentz back. Chiefs two and Rams number one. So we're all pretty similar in the top two or three. So Rams, Chiefs, Eagles, Saints, Ravens, Jaguars, Patriots, Vikings number eight, Redskins, and Panthers. So we've all we've all moved the Vikings out of our top four. Uh, I got them fifth. Five. Yep. I got the purple colored glasses still on. Yep. I'm the yeah. only one left. You're supposed to be Mr. Negative. Joe. Doubter. You guys are doubters. Why do you doubt these teams so much? It's a great market. These teams are trying. You've never doubted these teams. I don't doubt these clubs. Nope. All right. Is Joe Maurer going to be done playing baseball or done playing baseball for the Twins or some combination? Like, let's ask Dan Hayes when we come back here because the Twins are in the uh, the middle of here or I guess the beginning of their final homestand of the year. And the football hour is going to include Matthew Collar from Los Angeles and Rich Gannon as well at 5.15. Now, back to Mackie and Judd. Hello, boys. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. So what do you think? <laughs> it's pretty cool, I guess. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are talking twins. Now, with a man who's in the clubhouse covering the team every day. Beat writer for The Athletic, Dan Hayes. All right, Mackie and Judd, TCL Broadcast Studios. Dan Hayes, go find his stuff. Subscribe at The Athletic. Uh, This is not the end of the twin season that we envisioned about six months ago. I think we all figured as the weather turned to uh, fall, crisp, 50-degree type stuff that... We'd be preparing for maybe uh, maybe a wild card game, maybe a playoff series, and that's obviously not the case. So, how do you survey the landscape here as the season winds down, and uh, just give us kind of the vibe over there at Target Field? I mean, you know, guys are beat up. Uh, there's uncertainty about Joe Mauer and what, what's going to happen with him. It's just been a strange year. Obviously, the Byron Buxton um, thing—that's quite a down, but at the same time, obviously, that's still something guys are going to think about in the offseason. It, it's been a rough year all around. Um, there have been some really good developments. I mean, you look at the farm system, and there have been some great things there. 
but on the on the major league level, you know, you you just haven't had anything really go your way the whole year. It started in March with the uh, actually it started in February when uh, when Irvin Santana had to go back in surgery and followed with Polanco getting suspension and. You know, it's it's just been one thing after the other. It's been a rough year, and and now you have a bunch of guys banged up. Eddie Rosario out for the year. Mitch Carver with the foul ball off the face mask. They really haven't gotten a breather from things. Give me your uh, gut on Joe. If if you had to guess, do, do you think he gets done, talks to his family, and he comes back for 2019, or he says, "I'm done here." I mean, my gut thinks. Why did he? <laughs> it's funny. We talked about this last time, and I think. Like twenty minutes later, the story came out that he was considering retiring. Yeah, um, and and it's funny that I mean, my gut thinks that I don't know why he'd talk about it if he wasn't really seriously mulling it. And you know, two months ago, he was having a great time. He was enjoying everything. Um, even maybe maybe more. We should go back to three, four months ago. But you know, there's been a lot of stuff that's happened this year, um, and and that concussion. I mean, being out for a month, being away from the ballpark and, and having some, some issues again, that's potentially giving him a scare. You know, I know he's got another uh, child on the way. His wife's due in, in November. Um, so my gut says this is it. But my, uh, my you know, I, I would love if it wasn't. I, I just don't want to have uh, – it'd be, it'd be sad to see people deprived of him at this point because he's still got stuff left in the tank there. And there's, there's some leadership that he brings to the team in a different way, silently, that, uh, you know, they, they still need him. So I, I, I don't think he is finished, but I think he could be done, if that makes sense. Dan, do they want him back? Or are they, they, you know, I, I think I've asked you this question before, but, you know, do they, do they feel like they want to have Joe back and be a part of what they have, uh, what they have planned for next year, or are they sort of just leaving it up to him and what, whichever way he decides that they're just going to be okay with i think whatever way he decides they're going to be okay with i I think that he's earned that right he's been here um you know and and he's still valuable it might not be the guy you want every day but i i can see him being a very valuable member of a team for 120 games and you know when i when i talked to Derek falvey last they were still hoping to be contending next year and obviously there's a lot of hurdles to clear for that to happen um byron buxton and miguel snow have to get back on track but I think that if they think they're going to contend, they'd like to have Joe Maurer be a part of that picture. Dan Hayes from The Athletic has been a wonderful weekly guest for us throughout the season here. Twins wrapping up with a homestand. Um, so what, 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 in your opinion, is the offseason? Are they going to be aggressive with all of this money that they could have to spend? Like If, if they don't bring Joe Maurer back, and that's $23 million, well, it's going to be some amount off the books even if they do bring him back, but... Do you see them going back up toward 120, 130 million and spending a ton of money? Would they be in, do you think, on like a Manny Machado or like what's, I know it's so early to project that, but what do you think? Well, I, I think that they will spend some money. I don't know that they will get back to the payroll level they were at this year. They sort of went and pushed it and it didn't work out. And um, you have those, you have bigger questions now going into next year than you did start because you thought Buxton and Sano, well, you know, Sano. I think that there was wishful thinking he'd be fully healthy and ready to go. Obviously, it took him a little while. I don't think we knew the scope of it until he got injured in April, how, how far behind he really was. Um, but obviously, there's some, some questions to answer. So I don't know that you can be as aggressive. I mean, when they were looking at this roster from 17 going into 18, you were just trying to 
answer any questions that you had and, and fill all the little gaps. Well, at this point, you don't know necessarily what those gaps are. And so I do think they will be aggressive in a lot of regards, but I don't know how it'll be put together. It's going to be interesting to hear, especially the next six weeks or so to kind of figure out what they're trying to do. But it wouldn't surprise me if they wanted to add another reliever. There's a nice core of relievers out there, maybe two. You know, you have some good some good guys at the back of this bullpen. They're decent pieces that if you fill around them, and, and you know, I, I think one thing that would be more helpful next year would be to trust the younger guys that you've had this year and, and let them pitch some of the key spots. I think we saw a lot of um, Reed and we saw a lot of Presley and a lot of Duke early on and obviously Rogers and uh, Hildenberger struggled. There's no question about it, but he's also had a lot of good moments throughout this year. I think if you can trust those guys earlier and make it a fuller bullpen, you actually can put together a pretty good deep group. And that's really the key to this thing And um, is, is having a bullpen that keeps games in place and adding two guys and maybe spending a little money there would maybe seem to make sense, especially with some of the guys they've developed along the way this year. Um, but, but beyond that, you know, you're really, unless you're trading some of your position guys, you really don't have a lot of spots to, to really maneuver. I mean, obviously you can add to the rotation, but even that, for the most part, three spots would seem to be solidified and maybe a fourth. So, you know, it's, it, it's going to depend on what they do. If they move any guys, um, it's going to be hard to, to move a Sano or a Buxton. Obviously, I don't think that they would, but those guys are sort of off the table at this point. I think you want to keep Jorge Polanco. Um, so then it's your questions are, well, what do you do with, uh, say, Kepler? Or, you know, obviously you would probably like to extend Rosario. He showed he can be kind of a breakout player for him. So, I mean, it, it's really going to be an interesting offseason just because there aren't the big uh, question marks. I mean, second base obviously would be some place they could solve, and maybe they do Eduardo Escobar, just get another leader back in here. But but it's not like there's earth-shattering moves to be made unless they wanted to kind of think outside the box and, and trade some of these guys away. And Dan, as, since the thing with Buxton has calmed down now, uh, have you heard anything behind the scenes about them? I, I know that, that Paul and then Derek eventually talked to Byron, but have has there been more scuttlebutt about how the Twins are trying to make good here, or has there, there been more they're, about They're really trying to avoid talking about it. They they don't want to step backwards. They're, the way they're looking at it is move forward. and Obviously, the, what happened has happened, and they, they need to move forward. That's how they've proceeded. Um, behind the scenes, you know, we've been gone for 12 days, so it's not there hasn't been much front office around. And, and uh, I, to be honest, you know, it, that's going to be something that's going to probably take um, getting back on the same uh, ground as him, you know, and, and that might not be till Florida. I mean, obviously there's could be, a, a, you know, continual communication during the off season just to see how he's doing. And I don't think that there's anything to worry about with him because his agents made it pretty clear a couple times that this is a, this is a guy who's going to continue to play for the twins the way he has previously. And, and he's going to, you know, I, I don't think that the effort, anything on his end will ever be, question but the the team is certainly gonna have to do some stuff to repair this and i don't know that you can do that till you see him every day in spring training dan how are they how is their viewpoint on on the opener strategy is this something that you you see them keeping around here going into next year or is this something that you know say you know hey they we experimented with this but we're probably going to go back to a traditional five-man rotation like what what's your viewpoint on how they see this strategy going forward 
I, I think at the most we would see it with one guy next year, if that's the case. But I really think this is just them being experimental and taking advantage of a, a month where they had traded away a couple veteran guys. There's a lot of rookies. You know, you've seen the Cole Stewart's and Zach Littell's pitch pretty well with the opener being used. So it, it's worked out well and gotten some guys some comfort and some innings. But at the same time, Derek probably was very adamant, hey, look, this is, this is September. We're, we're taking advantage of this sort of blank canvas. And, and so I, I think they're just trying to kind of test it out and see. But obviously they're only getting a small sample size this year. Uh, the Rays have done well with it. And I think if you know, the Twins look at what they've had so far, it, it's been hit and miss. But at the same time, they've had some positive gains out of it. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if they thought about it with one spot. But at the same time, they do have money to spend. It just depends on what they can attract on the free agent starting pitching market and, and how they'd fill out their rotation. Yeah. Well, Dan, uh, enjoy the uh, dog days of the last week of the regular season here. <laughs> enjoy that White Sox double dip on yeah. Friday, yeah. Dan. Hey, why don't you guys come on out and hang out? We can do a live <laughs> broadcast from the, the booth. Actually, during, I, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pop over there after the show's over here, but you're not going to see me in the press box. I will be beer in hand somewhere else. <laughs> I'll come see cool. you Friday. Cool. I'll see you Friday night. <laughs> well, enjoy. All right, see you, Dan. Bye. You, Dan. All right, guys, thanks. All right, Dan Hayes from The Athletic. Gentlemen, we got the football hour coming up here in about 15 minutes, but I'm not going to call it a Woj bomb. It's not a Woj bomb. It's like like Woj keeps dropping little nuggets. You know how he... he grenade? He, grenade might even be a little strong, but it's there's a it's, a, it's Woj cookie <laughs> Like a little pipe trails. bomb that he's dropping. Not little, really yeah. like a... <laughs> Well, sure. It's a little pipe bomb he's dropping. It's not, pipe it's, bomb. it's not really a it's only not really five a to fifteen nuclear. Only yeah. five uh, to fifteen bomb, for right? Woj on this one. Let's yeah. just say one of the best teams oh in gosh. the NBA is trying to get creative to trade for Jimmy Butler. All right, all right. We'll okay, just, we'll just leave it at that, Judd. Mackie and Judd are back. I have indeed been uploaded, sir. We're online and ready on fifteen hundred ESPN. Quick check-in on your traffic, 94 westbound. We have a crash uh, slowing things down by about five minutes if you're headed that way. Uh, that is uh, That crash is near Creton and uh, Vandalia Street near St. Paul, so be on the lookout for that. And also, we have a traffic incident been reported uh, southbound on 169 uh, between 55 and uh, Sheillard Parkway near Golden Valley, uh, adding about three minutes to your commute there. I made it clear to Jimmy that, you know, we have to do what's best for us. So if there's a deal and it's not good for us, then we're not interested in it. And if it's good for us, we're interested in it. And it may not be a team that, you know, that you feel that you, you, you wanted to go to. And I'm not saying that those three were the ones that he put out there. So oftentimes those are things. And, you know, uh, and part of it, I, and I know you all have a job to do and you hear from people and a lot of times that stuff is motivated to try to get a deal done, to try to pressure someone into a bad deal. We're not going to be pressured into a bad deal. All right. That's uh, Tom yeah. Thibodeau from earlier this week. So here's the latest Woj pipe bomb, Woj firecracker. Hey, yeah. It's not a Woj it, it's bomb. A, it's a, yeah, it's a firecracker. It's a Woj sparkler, a Woj sparkler. Yeah, that's okay. all this is. Yeah. <laughs> all right. He said, sources, Miami has been the most engaged team with Minnesota on a Jimmy Butler trade. So far, no traction with the Clippers and the Nets. Houston has tried to be creative in its pursuit. Oh, of course they have. It'll be a challenge. <laughs> It'll be a challenge, although not impossible, to get any Butler deal done without a third team. 
Now, Houston right now, I, th- I feel like Houston's gone from if they had a healthy Chris Paul, I think they want either they would have won the championship. If they had mm-hmm. a healthy Chris Paul, they would have won either Game Six or Game Seven, then they would have won the title. I think. Yeah. To now, almost having a depleted roster compared, like they got rid of two rotation players. They added Carmelo Anthony, right? Yeah, it, does, like, yeah. it doesn't. They didn't make a lot of great moves. So now, if they were able to swing a deal for Jimmy Butler, but I don't know what kind of assets they'd ha- there'd have to be a third team involved. That's where yeah. it gets complicated. Sacramento again, because they're, yeah. they're the team with all the room. Yeah, the Kings are the only team that really has cap space right now because they just don't. They have a bunch of young guys on cheap contracts. I, I mean, I mean, there's there's players on the Rockets that I would like to have back in a Jimmy Butler trade, but they're not going to get those guys. They're no. not going to get James Harden or Chris Paul in return. No, of course so not. So they're not going to get Clint Capella in return. Yeah, if you could get Clint Capella back, but what what what, what, what the, the Rockets would only trade for Jimmy Butler if they could keep their core players together and then add right. him, and now all of a sudden they're going to war with the Warriors again. And the, the Wolves aren't going to allow that. Aren't going to allow... They're they're not going to they're not going to allow them to be butler yeah. over for no oh Tibbs correct. is, yeah, Tibbs yeah. is like, thinking because Tibbs in Tibbs mind it's like well if I make a trade and I trade Butler I I have to still win this year so he's not making right. a trade with uh, with Houston unless he got a phenomenal deal which he's not going to get because they're not dumb yeah it's uh, can I rant about something real quick that's mm-hmm. been that's been irritating me all week go ahead Please Please do. you have the floor so th- this this perception and this notion that. Jimmy Butler dragged the Timberwolves to the playoffs, and yeah, I know, th- I know what their record was with him on the court versus when he was off the court. Okay, and he's an incredible player. All right, but he only played in what half the games last year? Fifty nine oh. games. So two thirds of the games last year. You know who played all eighty two at a crazy high level? Carl Anthony Towns. Carl Anthony Towns did more. To carry "quote unquote" the Timberwolves to the playoffs last year than Jimmy Butler did, he was on the court for two extra months. Yeah, and 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 I know this is going to get a little bit. People are going to hate this because it gets a little stat geeky. But they have in the NBA they track win shares just like they do in baseball. Mm-hmm. And in case you're wondering, okay, how how valid is this? I'm so mad I pulled my headphones out of the headphone. Well, jack. that's not good because now you can't <laughs> yeah. hear Manny. It just takes the, <laughs> derailed the whole show right like, there. Okay, in case you're wondering, well, how accurate is that? Okay, forget about forget about the actual number. I'm just going to give you some of the players near the top of this win share list. If you're wondering, does it really measure the best players in the NBA or not? All right. Well, James Harden was number one. LeBron James was number two. Also in the top ten were Greek Freak, Damian Lillard, Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant. Like mm-hmm. it's a pretty pretty valid measurement that aligns with who the best players in the NBA are. Right. This was the top ten. Number, th- number three is Carl Anthony Towns from last year, in part because he played all 82, but mm-hmm. also in part because he's really bleeping good at basketball. Yeah. And yes, he has some things he should work on defensively, and he disappeared against the Rockets, but I'm so sick of hearing about how Jimmy Butler dragged a bunch of ragtag young players. No, 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 no. Jimmy Butler had the best teammate he's ever played with in his entire career next to him for 82 games. Well, for him, it was 50-some games because he can't stay healthy and he can't stay on the damn court. Carl Anthony Towns did more to bring the Wolves to the playoffs last year than Jimmy Butler, and no one ever says it. And to your point, to piggyback off of that, one thing that I'm getting tired of hearing is, you know, well, the Wolves won 47 games and they were an eight seed. Well, if Jimmy Butler hadn't gotten hurt, then they would have been a three seed. They would have won three or four more. They would have won 50 games. Okay, San Antonio 
had Kawhi Leonard for nine games. Boogie Cousins popped his Achilles in February. Okay? New Orleans did fine. All right? Utah was without Rudy Gobert for like two months. Okay? He missed like 25 games. Denver, who you were battling with on the last night of the season for the eighth seed, didn't have Paul Millsap for about 35 games. Mm -hmm. Okay? So all of this, you know, Jimmy missed what? 17 games after his knee injury. He had he missed some earlier in the season. But, yeah. like, I don't want to hear this, well, if only they would have had Jimmy Butler, then they would have fine. They would have been fine. Look at the rest of the teams in the Western Conference. They all had injuries, too. And so a lot cry, of that's... Cry me a river, this, this idea that... And Jimmy Butler's only played 70 games twice in his career. Has he played 70? It's been four or five years, right? He hasn't he's played 70 twice, games though. in a long he's time. Done he's twice. done twice. He, he's played, he played yeah. 81 but, games one year and like 72 but this another is, year. But this is why for going forward it becomes so important to pick Cat. Which is the yes. only, and the only guy doing that is Glenn. Who we don't trust, but he's the only guy doing that. Nobody who runs the actual basketball operations is really picking Cat. Mm-hmm. He was signed to the contract by Glenn because clearly uh, Glenn promised we'll trade Butler ASAP. Nobody else, as far as we can tell, made made that assurance. So this comes back to the fact that the most competent, rational thinking person at Target Center right now, ladies and gentlemen, is Glenn Taylor. But like I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw this. Think out. about that for a second. Right, <sighs> it's unsettling. Actually, <laughs> it but, was meant to be. But I'm gonna repeat this, okay? By almost any measurement, and I would argue even just by watching with your eyes, Carl Anthony Towns is ridiculous. By any by any measurement, eye test or analytical right this dude was the third most valuable player according to some measurements and other measurements would have him as like one of the 10 or 15 most valuable players so by all when i test you see well, this guy's seven feet tall and he's shooting three pointers at a crazy clip he was the best three-point shooter last year mm-hmm. and all we talk about is by we i mean tom thibodeau and jimmy butler and anyone who is the, my, the small minority that's on the, the side of those two guys, what he has to work on. And, yes, like he does have to work on some things. And you know who else? Like Kobe Bryant had to work on some and things. And those first two playoff games are what everyone harped on and stuck with because Butler was ticked off. And by that point, it might have been so toxic between Cat and the team. And, like, well, there's you, things now that you look back and say, oh, that well, okay. The, the joylessness of what we saw, I'm sorry, that was not that – was, that was completely – real when you watch that team play last year and mm-hmm. Tibbs was screaming and everybody for a team that that finally made the playoffs after a 13 year absence should not have been that way but but that was not that was not us trying to pick at something that was very real yeah. there, there was and a, everybody could see it yes everybody could but, see it but I think the diehard Wolves fan was like but we still made the playoffs but you said to yourself how long can this in this long of season how many people can look this miserable and toxic for this long and the answer is not very and yes and the answer was not very yeah because it's, it's going to destroy you though. yeah uh by the way i was wondering when something like this would come out and bravo for carl anthony towns for this was i don't know if this was intended as a shot at jimmy butler but it, it that's the way i took it you know jimmy spends the entire off season posting workout videos and like jimmy butler will be the first one to tell you either directly or via his social media, how hard he works. Like No one works harder than Jimmy Butler. Just just follow him on Instagram. And, just ask him. Right. And, and it's like everything he says 
in stories, everything his agent says, and everything that's floated anonymously, but let's be honest, through that camp, is crapping on the work ethic of Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins. So Towns posted his own summary of his offseason in video form, and it's him doing all these crazy workouts and working on his ball handling skills and doing these Steph Curry drills. He put just a little 60-second video. It just said, it said, like, my summer, and it was a highlight reel of all the things that he's done. But it's made to sound like, well, Jimmy Butler's busting his ass. He's on vacation in Italy, and he's still working out on the beach, oh, climbing hills. Like, what's Towns doing? The same stuff. He's just not putting it on Instagram every other hour like Jimmy Butler does. I said before, in, in this in this case, with the primary parties involved, there is no good guy. Jimmy Butler's not. Tibbs is not. Cat well, is right, but there's but the primary but but Cat wants nothing to do with this entire thing. The primary parties who are driving this entire thing, there is no one. There is no side to go to. I don't go to the Wolves side and Tibbs, and I don't go to Butler. It's everybody is is at fault here, and everyone's being dumb. Yeah. So we'll see. Maybe Wolves will drop another sparkler on us before the end of the show. <laughs> or Krasinski, you never know. Yeah, Crosman doing a good job, and Doogie had some good stuff too on this show about an hour and a half ago. So once once the show's done here, go back and find the scoop from uh, the, the second segment on today's show. Let's come back with our football hour. Matthew Collar from Los Angeles. We'll get a Vikings update. A lot of injury things to uh, to parse out. And Rich Gannon will join as well around 515.